0: three two one and Julie Harris we are back
1: yes we are and in fact today we're talking about an exciting topic that everybody is going to want to listen to whether you were licensed yesterday or a grizzled veteran doesn't matter today we're talking about what realtors should post on social media that will actually bring you quality buyer and seller leads we're talking primarily about your posts on YouTube Instagram and Facebook today You know, we talk a lot about what not to post, like anything political or overly opinionated. So I thought it would be appropriate to do a podcast about what you should be posting.
0: And this is going to be four very quick uh, points that are designed to make it so that even if you're not doing any uh, social media posting, this will motivate you to do so because you're going to realize it's not necessarily about you know, uh, you know, people eating their lunch and constant stream of narcissism and the rest of it. The <laughs> exactly. social media, when done correctly, actually reinforces your um, your proactively generation. And in a lot of cases, it can reinforce your getting a list appointment or having a buyer choose to work with you. But before we get to that, Julie and I have been uh, discussing our coaching clients this week and what they're experiencing in the marketplace. And Julie and I are blessed to have some of the nation's top agents as personal coaching clients we have, you know, for decades at this point. And it's very interesting. There's there's a big bifurcation that's happening at the very top end of the market that Julie and I thought you would all want to hear more details on, because everyone talks about you know, the average agent who's, you know, selling, you know, less than 10 houses a year and the rest of it. Well, here's what's going on on the top end of the market. And I think a lot of you, again, will be glad to hear that what they're experiencing is similar to what you're experiencing, uh, just amplified. So Julie, from your call, you and I are just discussing this right before mm-hmm. I hit record. Yes. And one of the the conclusions that we came to was that the agents that are trying to build momentum right now are having a harder time rebuilding momentum or building sure. momentum. Versus the agents who have uh, essentially done what they did, what they didn't had made a lifestyle, sorry, of doing what they didn't want to do, and they didn't want to do it at the highest level for yes. long periods of time. In other words, there a lot of agents that were riding on past performance, mm-hmm. new construction that was inventory that was selling off. They had a lot of momentum sure. going into the year. That momentum, those leads dried up relatively quick and weren't easily replaced with new leads. Mm-hmm. And so, if they stopped doing the proactive lead generation, or never really drilled down on it in the first place this year, they're paying the price for it now.
1: Well, that's true, and it's not entirely their fault when you consider the fact that for the past several years, the FOMO in the market, fear of missing out, uh, put some buoyancy underneath the lead generation, right? So you actually could take a little bit of a break, and you know buyers are beating down your door because they had to close with that low interest rate or whatever the case was and there was abundance, right? So now, as most of you have noticed, there are fewer listings and fewer sales and fewer qualified buyers. We have that combination of things. And even if you're somebody that is feeling uncertain but enthusiastic, the uncertainty causes you to perhaps not do anything. So the FOMO has dried up, and an agent that was relying on that and had become accustomed to being able to turn on the burners and turn them off and still be okay, Those are the agents that are really feeling the pinch right now versus what you said and what we've experienced with our coaching clients and our coaches is that when you stay in momentum and you don't take long breaks, you don't get stuck in a rut, you don't start ruminating and looking at uh, negative headlines, you don't get in your own way, you, st- you stay in momentum, and that doesn't mean that you have to work you know, 60-hour weeks. It just means that you have to keep your lead generation going. Those are the agents who are not just on track, but many of them are getting ahead right now.
0: Well, being specific and drilling down yeah. what you just said, because I agree, mm-hmm. is that, we, again, with our personal coaching clients, and you have far more than I do, uh, the, the big takeaway was, say, those that started with you and I maybe 90 days ago mm-hmm. that were coming to us, wanting us to help them put Humpty Dumpty back together again. Sure. Those guys are the ones that are still in the process of building momentum Mm -hmm. and building momentum in a market like this is harder is what Julie was just telling you guys. It's harder now than it's really been probably since 2008. It just is now versus the agents that have been coached by us for a long period of time. Who have us, you know, harping at them every <laughs> single week? Mm-hmm. Who've never actually stopped doing what they didn't want to do when they didn't want to do at the highest level? They're having their best years ever.
1: That's right. So it's
0: very interesting that in a year uh, where you really are seeing the agents that have a—I'm saying this politely—a mm-hmm. skills deficit, they're the ones that are that unless they recognize that they're—you're not going to buy your leads. Uh, you, you're not going to be able to buy enough leads to essentially fill the the skills deficit that a lot of you guys are realizing that you actually have. The, the, exactly. So spending more money on marketing and branding and buying leads and all the rest of it, that isn't where the problem is that some of you are experiencing. It's with your ability to pre-qualify at a high level, present at a high level, have meaningful conversations that lead in uh, the direction of you generating a real estate lead at a high level. You guys get it? So what we have seen is the previous market, you could you could, frankly fool yourself into believing that the marketing and the advertising and all of that was the way to build a business. And maybe in the past, uh, you know, real estate market where interest rates were so much lower, mm-hmm. that was a somewhat viable um, business model. But what we've seen, because we've done this for a long, long period of time now, over 20 years, is we've seen that essentially, for example, let's use this as a for example, because I was talking to somebody, a former KW executive actually mm-hmm. yesterday, And we have seen since the 90s, the big team model go from very profitable now to basically not making a lot of profit whatsoever. Why? The cost structure has gone up. The revenue has gone down. The revenue has gone down because commissions have gone down. The revenue has gone down because there's fewer transactions. All the while, the demands from, say, for example, buyer's agents have completely changed. Now, what also changed was the the expectations you set for those buyer agents. So those buyer's agents that you had as part of your staff, you might call them something else, but you get the gist of it. They are not expected to actually do any proactive lead generation. Many of you have set these business models up with the idea that you're always going to be essentially running an adult daycare, and you're always going to have to provide leads to these agents, and the agents are never going to actually have to learn how to proactively lead generate. Well, those are the types of, I think, scaled up real estate models, teams and brokerages even, that are suffering right now. And we've seen the profit margins over the last, I think, since really 2007, 2008 when buying leads became very prolific, when agents were shopping what brokerage and what team they're gonna join based on how many leads they can get, they have, so there's a whole, most of the agents in the industry right now, Julie, I think you'll agree, mm-hmm. have never actually learned how to proactively lead 100%. generate, have never actually learned how to, uh, you know, pre-qualify because yes. there was always 10 leads to follow the one lead that they didn't really do yeah. a great job pre-qualifying. Well,
1: what I would say as well is that the market itself kind of had their back for a while. Sure did. You know, because it had natural uh, flow to the business and, well, be, and now that's different.
0: And a natural flow to the business because if yeah. you sold a house to a buyer a year ago, you know the buyers that house was going to be worth enough that the buyer could easily cover their care, their selling costs. Yeah, maybe even um, walk away with some profit. That isn't the way real estate typically worked. When Jules and I sold real estate, yeah. a seller uh, like if the seller someone called us to sell their house, if they hadn't been in that house. For probably at least five or six years, yeah. they were going to lose money on the house. Not like not have not to not upside
1: it. down, but lose a portion of their down payment.
0: Right, because you know. the selling costs, and we weren't charging some ridiculous commission; just normal oh, it was selling just costs. It was.
1: This this whole thing, I was just talking to a coaching client about this. You know, I just was reading an article before the podcast about the fact that over the past two years, I believe it was on average, anybody who had who owns a home, the the value, call it appreciation or inflation, but the value of the home has gone up 33% in two years. Now, here's, here's something to think about, okay? Let's put that in real dollars. The average sale price are the, of uh, those past two years, no matter where you are in the country, is between 400 and $600,000. That means on average, using that 33% increase, people have at least $100,000 worth of equity
0: 120 to 180 and just appreciation during that time frame based on the percentages you said yes. not including their down payment
1: Exactly over 2 years now some of you think that that's normal that is not normal It is okay? not normal <laughs> Well, but think about it if you got licensed in the past 5 to 7 years and that that was the biggest example but we had a big ramp up years to even get to that 2 years ago point Right I think the the number of the past 4 years is something like 48% So that's just astonishing to think about, right? So when people had that kind of, um, you know, equity building up and you added super low interest rates, well, of course, there was a lot of activity out there. And you can see by the numbers of closing. So point being, why are we talking about all this is you have to work harder. One of the themes of my coaching calls is to overcorrect. If there's 20% fewer sales year over year, you have to be 20% more productive than you were in the past two years, in order to do the same, not even to do better. Well, let's okay. drill
0: down on what you just said. Does that so make sense? some, yeah, absolutely. And so some of you uh, aren't essentially making any organized number. Like you should be making a, a number of contacts every single day um, that it matches the number of. Uh, you, Julie and I have altered this over the years, but right now it's the number of listings you need at all times. So based on your real estate treasure map, which is your fill-in-the-blank business plan, which you get for free when you join Premier Coaching. Um, and joint Premier, joining Premier Coaching is also free. Just scroll down, and click the link to join. So one of the first things we have you do is complete the Real Estate Treasure Map, and the Real Estate Treasure Map is your fill-in-the-blank business plan. But what the big takeaway is, you're going to know what your number of listings that you need at all times uh, is, so that you can then essentially manage to keep, you know, build to and then maintain that number of listings. Just really breaking it down even more. If you had five listings at all times, and your average commission is ten thousand dollars. Realistically, you're going to have at least two, maybe three of those in contract at all times, which means you're going to be locking in twenty to thirty thousand dollars in gross revenue. That's just off those listings selling. That's not including the buyer sides. That's not including you, you know, double-ending listing. None of those, right? So this is just purely a listings-based business. But clearly, there was other ways that you can make money having had those listings. So your whole business model, and this is really the simplest way of uh, being very successful in real estate, your whole business model is getting that magic number of listings, maybe it's five, maybe it's 10, maybe it's three, and then replacing them when they sell, which means every single day you have to be making, my point, a certain number of contacts. A contact is a conversation with a decision-making adult. So again, what we're seeing are a lot of you have not been disciplined in making a certain number of contacts every single day, and you've not been making, and if you have been, the contacts have been not the higher, uh, you know, the more beneficial uh, types of contacts we teach you in Premier Coaching. But be very clear that in this market, it's what Julie said. You're going to have to make more contacts. If you want to know what work harder means, that's it right there. You're going to have to make more contacts with uh, you know decision-making adults. You're going to have to do a better job pre-qualifying. You're going to have to do a, mo- a more convincing job. You're going to have to send a pre-listing pack, all these types of things. And focus primarily on sellers. And when you do, the buyers will come no matter what direction the market goes. I mean, here it is. Realistically, this is going to be one of the most challenging years in real estate since Julie—I mean, since 2008. Now, Julie and I have been in real estate since the early 90s, and we've seen many ups and many downs. But here's what's going to happen next, which I'd like to lead into before we get to your first point. Sorry okay. for rambling That's today. Okay.
1: We're good. Um, so
0: I had another uh, question. Actually, this was from a coach. Mm-hmm. He texted me. Uh, I should say, too, if you guys have any questions you want Julie and I to discuss on the podcast on Friday, we kind of do a freeform uh, it, today. And so if you want us to answer questions for you, we can. Um, just text me at 512-758-0206. And I know some of you are going to be curious about Julie and I's private coaching. We don't talk about it very often because most of you join Premier Coaching. Our elite coaching, which is only with Julie and I, uh, is the very you know top end of the coaching uh, programs of all the ones that we offer. If you think you're ready for Premier Coaching, you can text me directly, 512-758-0206. And what I'm going to do, and text me with a little bit of information about yourself, how long you've been in the business, what your volume is, that type of thing. And then what we'll do is have a very brief conversation in text, and then you will then talk to Julie, and then you guys can interview each other. I'm straight up, she probably, uh, like 10 of you will want to talk with Julie, and you know she'll have those conversations over the next week or so. And then what she'll decide is that maybe five of you are a better fit, or maybe even six of you are a better fit for, say, Premier Coaching or one of our other programs. Because she is highly selective because she is expensive, as am I, with private coaching. And we want you to get the most out of your uh, educational dollar. And sometimes that means, frankly, that you're a better fit for one of our other coaches or one of our other organizations. That's really our driving force is making sure that you guys are moving forward in your businesses. What really you need to realize is in, a, in this market right now, more than ever, you've got to do things, focus primarily on the things that are going to put you in a position to help people and make money the quickest. Not these things that are going to be like uh, long-term projections, maybe one day. So to Brandon's question, he asked yes. me this question. Mm-hmm. He asked me what I thought was going to happen over the next six or 12 months in mm-hmm. terms of, and you researched the bejeebers out of this because you write for all these trade publications. Sure. So I'll ask you. And so, you know, yep. what do you think is going to happen with interest rates, home sales, inventory, the market, agent count, and anything else I can think of to throw at you, but I know you're ready.
1: <laughs> Thanks for uh, kind of putting me on the spot. That's Fire okay. hosing you. Uh, okay. So I think that rates are going to continue to inch up a bit before they come back down, probably related to the election cycle. Well, okay? so. I, right. would, I would speculate probably first to second quarter they're going to change.
0: Okay. So what did she just say? Breaking it down. In 2024. uh Rates will most likely come down somewhat for political reasons, but there's another reason as well. It's because the interest rates increasing are also increasing the interest payments that the government has to pay on the 32 trillion dollars in national debt. That 32 trillion in national debt, when the interest rates, when essentially the treasury, uh, you know, interest rates go up, just to making it very simple. Uh, what's going to happen is that the amount of money that they're going to have to pay in order to get people to buy those treasury bonds and whatnot is also going to increase. The problem is, is that uh, I think you and I were reading or listened to a podcast that's discussing that very soon the government half of all the income that the federal government makes from taxes is going to go just to paying the interest on the mm-hmm. debts. If the uh, if the interest rate went up to what was it six or seven percent on right. Treasury bonds yeah. and Treasury mm-hmm. bonds right now are between four and five percent, mm-hmm. so there absolutely is a ceiling, and our friend Peter Schiff talks about this all the time mm-hmm. too. Mm-hmm. There absolutely is a ceiling to how much the government can raise interest rates because what happens is if the interest rates go uh, too high, all this Treasury debt is all short term six months, twelve months, eighteen months. Some of it's long term, but most of it's tr- short term debt, and they're constantly Constantly churning the debt, constantly refinancing it, and every time they're doing it, at least for the past almost two years, the interest rates have to that they're having to guarantee basically are increasing uh, because there's fewer people that are willing to uh, buy those uh, you know those government debt instruments without receiving a higher interest rate. I've oversimplified it. I bet you I didn't no, I think express that's right. this perfectly. But that's the gist of it. So realistically, interest rates are going to have to come down because the amount of interest that the government is paying on the debt is going to start cutting into Social Security and other forms of, of other entitlements. So we're not going to see a scenario where, like we saw in the late 70s and early 80s where interest rates went up to 20% because that uh, debt situation is not the same at then as it is now. So be very clear about that. And Julie did also say, the uh, presidential election cycle. Mm-hmm. But also, the other thing is realistically, um, we're not seeing any, the inflation rate seemingly mm-hmm. on consumer items mm-hmm. is not increasing as fast as it was. I haven't heard right. anyone complain about the cost of eggs in a while.
1: No. So that's, and, and some of this is just quite simply normalizing. Okay. Yeah. So when we say rates, and, and you asked me to predict when we are talking about rates coming down. Please be clear, we're not talking about coming down to 3.5%. No. We're talking about settling in probably somewhere around 6 6.5% which still is historically outrageously low. It's just that it hasn't felt like that because everybody's perspective is in the threes.
0: Well, and also there's not going to be a big uh, return to uh, pricing uh, of anything being like it was pre-COVID. just isn't no, going to happen. No,
1: that's right. And you can see that in things like used cars. You can right. see it in groceries, things like that. The new the new um,
0: pricing structures are the new pricing structures. There's not going to be a big wave of depreciation. Anybody who's anticipating any sort of mass downward reset of home prices. Yeah, is, that was the
1: next thing I was going to say, there's not going to be a pricing crash. Stop looking for that. Stop talking about that. That's not a thing.
0: Well, home value crash. Home really. value crash. Yeah. No,
1: we're we're not. Now, do you see in your MLS on your hot sheet and in your uh, automatic emails price reductions? Yes, you do. But that is not the same as houses. You know, a big housing price crash. Not the same. That means aspirational pricing is getting adjusted to where it should have been in the first place.
0: Sellers not being able to be as greedy.
1: Yeah, I mean, whatever acronym we can come up with. that Exactly. You know, but that's true. Uh, I, I do see some other trends, which is the strong, motivated, skilled agents. And I've had many coaching clients say this to me. They're already feeling when they go on listing appointments, they are competing more frequently than they used to because it's not an absolute slam dunk past client repeat referral. Okay, that's one thing. Secondly, and again this is more on the, you know, experienced skilled agent end of the spectrum, they also tend to be competing amongst the same 5 to 10 agents who are the other motivated skilled agents in their marketplace. Well, so so, so what that means is if you're not used to competing for business, you can really be blindsided when that starts happening to you and that's also typically when you guys come to coaching asking for things like pre-listing packages, real scripts pre-qualification scripts, how to close, how to compete all of those types of things
0: that's most of the people that join coaching is they yes, basically been they have right a need. they're right well they unfortunately sometimes they've had a few losses right? Sometimes
1: very stressful too.
0: Exactly. And they're thinking, they're starting to doubt themselves and wonder Mm -hmm. why am I not getting all my centers of influence and past clients? It's because the centers of influence and past clients before were not that selective on who they were listing with because they knew the house was going to sell anyway, most likely at a lofty price with no inspection, no appraisal. And, you know, the seller is going to, the buyer's going to have to carry yeah. them to closing on a, you know, velvet uh, throne kind of thing, right? <laughs> Something like that, but yeah. But the, the reality now is the sellers, even the sellers that are your past clients, centers of influence, even your mom is going to make you compete for that business. Yes. And if you're not competitive in the eyes of that consumer, you will not get that listing and you will then l- remember listening to this podcast and you'll say, damn it, I should have listened.
1: That's right. Don't let it happen to you. You've got to front run that. That's part of what I mean by overcorrect, Right. So here's the... assume that you're going to be competing. Assume that you're going to have to present. Assume that you're going to have to ask for the business.
0: Um, also, the interest interest rates will most likely settle downward. Julie's thinking six and a half percent. I think that's realistic. Um, maybe five and a half percent somewhere in there. But what you're then going to see is you're going to see a lot of so there are a lot of you guys are hearing and reading articles about people that are locked into their homes because low interest rates. And that certainly is uh, partially true. But if the sellers that are selling and will be selling for the foreseeable future are the sellers that have to sell. And those people don't care that much about what interest rates are, not just because they have a lot of equity, but because their life situation changed and it's forcing a sale relocation, financial issue, Mm -hmm. marriage, divorce, uh, more kids, all these, you know, all these types of normal things. Those are the sellers that are going to be transacting and they're not going to be that interest rate dependent. So those are the same sellers that have taken themselves out of the market effectively because they haven't had a house to move to or new construction to move to, right? That is all freeing up right now. And Julie and I are expecting, just to answer Brandon's question, yeah, we're expecting the interest rates to go down in the spring, somewhere you know around there. And then we're also expecting there to be more inventory. And once there's more inventory, once interest rates going down, all the fence sitting sellers are going to jump off that fence and they're all going to basically start doing what they would have done maybe you know this year or maybe part of last year even. Mm -hmm. And then you're going to see the market start to uh, really explode. We are feeling, you are feeling an unbelievable pent-up demand uh, for uh, homes for sale. And
1: that's not sustainable. That will break just as uh, what was the term from uh, the housing recession, um, frugality fatigue. Yeah, You know, not buying a house fatigue, it will break eventually, which means not selling your house fatigue will break along with it. And one last thought, since you asked me about uh, some predictions I really think that new construction is something that everybody listening needs to get better at. I had not one, not two, but three examples from coaches and coaching clients last week where the buyer went and found new construction on their own. Okay. Now, how many times on how many podcasts where we're talking about how to create inventory have we mentioned new construction virtually every day on every podcast? So take, for example, the number of sales countrywide is down by about 20%, but guess what's up? new construction by 31%. So that tells you, and in fact, uh, that goes right along hand in hand with what's available, about 30% of what is actually uh, able to be purchased, you know, active listings, whether whether they're in the MLS or not, active homes for sale, about 30% are actually new construction. So that makes a lot of sense. If you are not versed on that, you're ignoring 30%, one third of the market that you don't know about. And that, and my evidence of buyers finding new construction on their own. Guess what? You don't get baked into that deal. You have to register that buyer with the builder. So those are lost transactions to those agents. You can't be doing that. You cannot be complacent. With any buyer who is in a logical new construction price range, whether they said, I want to see new construction or not, you cannot be complacent about bringing them to at least run it up the flagpole and see what they thought about it.
0: Well, even like, so maybe you have a buyer that might be a good fit for a property that's not a conventional subdivision type property. You then maybe want to help them find a lot. You want to, you know, find them a builder that's going to want to build on said lot. Julie and I, when we sold real estate, we did quite a bit of that Yeah. because you could create your own market that way.
1: Or in the lower price ranges. If you're, and I see this a lot in uh, places like Chicago and Seattle, where there's older inventory and people still want to live in the city, where the older inventory is kind of beat. They don't, they either don't have the money or don't have the desire to do any rehabbing, and they just haven't seen what they haven't liked what you've been showing them in those especially lower price ranges. Take them to new construction condos and townhomes. They're nicer, they're crisp, they're clean. They have builder financing. That is almost always a tried and true strategy to get buyers like that in contract.
0: So if you're listening to us for the first time today, I hope, and we haven't even gotten to point one, (laughs) if you're listening to our podcast
1: for the next pod, but it's up to you.
0: If you're listening to our podcast for the first time today, you uh, go back and listen to past podcasts. We do this every single uh, weekday and we have literally thousands of past podcasts. And this is the number one listened to daily podcast for real estate professionals in at least the United States. We have, it's at least 30 million downloads Um, And you will go back when listening and you'll hear that Julie and I were pretty much spot on with all of our predictions over the last like, I can remember you and I talking about all the things that we were predicting were going to happen mm-hmm. that were completely contrarian to what everyone else was saying. Everyone else was saying property values were going to drop, um, you know, during COVID. You and I knew they weren't, and we nope. told everyone what was going to happen, and we were right. Everyone was saying there was going to be a mass exodus of real estate agents, and you and I did a little homework. We went back to 1950, and we looked at the total NAR memberships, and we ran that graph uh over a graph of where the recessions were and guess what we saw no big drop off of agents and yet all everyone kept on saying mm-hmm. there's going to be a mass exodus of agents there isn't a mass exodus of agents and you can go back and look so there's an old saying history repeats itself that doesn't really it isn't really true but people's uh, behavioral patterns to uh, certain things are very you know those will repeat themselves. So history doesn't repeat itself. That's kind of impossible. But humans' reactions to certain things happening is very predictable. You well, know, because
1: they're always making comparisons. That everybody subconsciously and consciously wants this time to be just like last time. Well, that's because right. then you know how to deal with it, right? Your your subconscious mind is searching for little clues where you can go. Oh, I remember when that happened. Here's what I did. Here's what worked back then. When in fact it's not exactly like that. And in many ways, it's the opposite of. Uh, you know, back in those, back in the olden days. Well,
0: along those lines too, yeah. when you're listening to folks that aren't, um, I think, <laughs> crazily. Uh, I was going to say analytical, which is partially true, but I think also impassioned by wanting to know this information sure. mm-hmm. for the sake of our coaching clients mm-hmm. and our podcast listeners. Yep. You'll see that most people are just repeating what other people are saying. And what they do generally is only refer to things that they've personally experienced during their lifetimes. Yep. They don't reach outside of their little, you know, someone's 30 years old and he's telling you what he remembers back from when he was like the olden times three years ago. Right. I mean, you got to be yeah. remembering you got it. You have to be putting into perspective the fact that uh, most people have their own built-in confirmation bias and they don't even realize it. It's true. So do uh, do yourself an enormous favor and be very careful and selective on who you listen to and what you do with the information that you ingest. And like even the uh, major news media outlets, they're the worst because most of the stuff that you're reading online are written by people who are millennials. Nothing wrong with millennials. We love millennials. Mm-hmm. But they don't have a uh, very much perspective. And you can read in their articles. The only thing they can lean back into – was the housing crash during, you know, 07, 08, 09. Right. And even then they were just kids. So they're just reading, you know, headlines that were written back then. Uh, But that's the only perspective that they have. Some of you don't even have perspective that goes back as far as real estate, uh, you know, experience goes back even six months. Some of you have been in the business longer than Julie and I have. So you got to put all this into the mix and understand what we're going through is not like what we've anything that's happened before. It isn't. But what we're going through and how people react to it is highly predictable, Mm -hmm. and hopefully we've given you guys motivation through education, which is ultimately the thing that you're going to use to get you into action. So, Julie, if you're up for it, I wouldn't mind going through these four points. We'll call this part two. Okay,
1: part two. We're (laughs) going to do these relatively quickly. We're talking about just to... Circle the wagons way back to the beginning about social media, what you should be posting. So, it's valuable to ask yourself what you are trying to accomplish with your posts. I think not very many people put it in that perspective. They just post, you know, and hopefully something goes well. So, what are you actually trying to do? There are four specific goals to accomplish with your posts. So, my note takers, start typing or jotting down these notes. Point number one, you can also scan down and see them. So point number one, Realtor social media should establish you as the go-to source for all things real estate in your market, all things real estate. Don't be overly specific. Buying, selling, investing, flipping, building, relocation. Be the one who knows the facts and talks about real estate all the time. Don't be a secret agent. And then I've got a couple of examples from our coaching clients. So again, the point is, it should establish you as the go-to source for all things real estate.
0: And the real purpose of social media, really any kind of marketing, is to reinforce your proactive lead generation, reinforce you as an expert. Because what a lot of people do is they'll meet you maybe for the first time and then they'll follow you on Instagram or Facebook or whatever, or maybe they already are. So you have to, you, your goal is to not assume that any of the social media stuff is going to replace lead generation for you. It's going to enhance the proactive lead generation that you're already yeah. doing. Be incredibly clear about that. Otherwise, you're going to be incredibly frustrated with the amount of money and time you spend on you know, advertising, which is what social media truly is and the results that you get, which may never come. So just be very clear. This is to do nothing other than reinforce you doing the real work of real estate. Example one, Julie.
1: Yes. In addition to not, instead of. Right. Okay. So example number one, Monday's market minute. Many of our coaching clients are doing this, they do it in posts, they do it in videos. This is a simple market update, similar to your MLS hot sheet, but more consumer friendly. So how do you put that together? Well, think about what your friends ask you regarding real estate and post about those things. They literally are telling you what they're curious about. Is the market going to crash? What's happening with home prices? Why aren't there more for sale signs? Is that a new subdivision or a new building going up around the corner from me? Talk about those things. And you can do, I I just gave you a whole bunch of ideas. Don't do all, all of them in one post. You can take that piece by piece. Like what is being built around? That's a great topic. What's that building? Is that going to be residential or apartments or what is it? Okay, so example number two, this is always a good one to do because it also makes your sellers happy. Previewing your own upcoming listings or your office listings or even new construction models. What's special about that property or that building? Are there great amenities? Is there special financing available or is there a neighborhood park? you can do an endless supply of that kind of posting. It's all about real estate. Remember, we're training them to think about you when they think real estate.
0: And one of the things that Julie said, make sure you drilled on this, is most of you have iPhones. I happen to know because, you know, the podcast and YouTube tells us how many of you are listening to us or watching us on, you know, iPhone versus everything else. And Mm -hmm. the iPhone is a brilliant device for, guess what? Making videos. All of you know this because you videotape your cat, right?
1: (laughs) right. (laughs) And Isn't it funny that they, they're not weird about videotaping stuff like that or what they're eating for lunch, but then you ask them to video, tapes, uh, to video about themselves, and they're like, oh, no, I don't want to be on camera.
0: <laughs> well, you, so, so do it. You don't necessarily have to be on camera. Honestly, you can just videotape. You yep. can put. You can have your computer in front of you. You can pull up the MLS statistics. You can then basically videotape the you know MLS statistics on your computer. Yeah. And you can break it down and explain how everything is.
1: You just talk over it. Right. right.
0: And so you will. Most of you are going to do a far better job talking than writing. So do a short video mm-hmm. of you explaining. And Julie just gave you hopefully a, a bunch of little micro ideas. But the consistency about this and not being intimidated by it. Uh, And uh, the other thing that's fascinating, I kept on saying other thing on this uh, podcast. I don't know if you're noticing I'm saying it too much. Um, But the other thing thing. (laughs) is that on mobile, I've done this test when Julie and I are traveling in different parts of the country. When you do a search for, like, say, for example, Julie and I sold real estate in New Albany, uh, Ohio. So if you did a search in New Albany, Ohio, on your desktop, you're going to get typical blue-linked, hyperlinked Google links, Mm -hmm. right? If you do it on your mobile, what Google is doing, because remember Google owns YouTube is oftentimes, not every time, but oftentimes the first 10 search results are videos and the videos are almost always the short minute or less videos. Those. So it seems to me that what's happening is Google has obviously discovered that short videos will get clicked and watched viewed more frequently than a textual article which it leads you should you lead you to the conclusion that you need to be making lots and lots of short videos so if someone's doing some homework and they're running to research new albany ohio and you've done you know a series of videos on that particular community you're going to most likely come up when they do a search on their phones and most people do searches on their phones you guys get it so there's the uh immediate benefit of reinforcing your proactive lead generation. And there's the downrange benefit of having established yourself as an expert in that with that particular niche.
1: That's right. Well said. All right. Point number two, real estate agent posts should connect your center of influence. That's what you guys call your database more closely to you and engage them in conversation. A couple of examples of that. Promote businesses owned by people in your database. If your past client owns a bakery, go there, do a quick interview and promote something specific that they're known for. That's easy. Example number two, if you're doing pop buys for the holidays or you know, for whatever reason, do maybe a client appreciation party. Well get your promotional stuff from people in your database or involve them in the actual event. Post pictures and videos as you prepare for the event and invite everyone to join you. I think about somebody like John Walkinshaw in Canada who always does this amazing Christmas event. He's actually at a real Christmas tree farm. They have food, they have drinks, they have... I mean, it's a great fun thing, but he does lots of social media about that. He also uses that as an excuse to be calling his past clients center of influence and inviting them to that.
0: Doesn't have to be just businesses, though businesses are great, right? Because they're directly uh, interacting with the same consumers that you are in the same communities that you want to sell real estate in. Uh, But those do become great bird dogs for you. So if you've done a great commercial, Julie said, the local, you know, Bob's Bakery, Mm -hmm. and you've walked in there, do a little you know, interview with Bob, hey, Bob, what's your number one selling pie, right? And then Bob, you know, shows you this, that, and the other. And then maybe Bob's got a little promo for everyone that comes in today where I'm going to, you know, give them this, you know, two pies for the price of one, whatever it is. And then you expose that even if Bob gets nobody from your uh, post, Bob's going to feel a sense of uh, really gratitude towards you helping him with this business yes. to sell pies. So you want to consider that as a great source for you to expand. Guess what? Your professional centers of influence and past clients. Um, And you guys can just expand from there. For example, you could do things with Humane Society. Mm -hmm. You could do things with um, just all kinds of different things that where people would be really grateful for the fact that you've given them exposure and they then become, again, centers of influence and in past clients for you. They become bird dogs for you in the, in the community. You're not only most likely going to have them do business with you personally, but you might then refi- receive referrals from them exactly. as well. And if it's at a case where you can put up a little display, a place for, with your business card or whatever in Bob's bakery, Bob's going to be thrilled to leave, let you leave with some right. cards there for amount of time. Of course, You'll leave 20 cards there and the next customer is going to be an agent who will take all the cards. But <laughs> you guys get the idea.
1: <laughs> so you have to go back and talk to Bob again. Yeah. Okay, point number three. Your video post should increase your presence online. So when people search about real estate in your town, you're more likely to pop up as the agent they're looking for. You'll have a professional image for when somebody's comparing you to the other agents that they might be considering. So an example of that would be to do a quick interview with your favorite lender about how interest rate buy-downs work. Most agents don't know how to do that. Most people like talking about high interest rates, and yet there is still a way to get a good interest rate.
0: Well, that's something else you and I are talking about yeah. prior to today's show. There's mm-hmm. definitely a tsunami of bad news that's out there
1: yep. because
0: we're through. A, we're going through this like, you know, it's the news, right? They know that for every – if they put up a, a, a dark, you know, scary – Uh, foreboding.
1: Or they say if it bleeds, it leads. Right, exactly. You
0: guys will click on it. And if it's something that's cheery and like optimistic, nobody will read it. So there's been a tsunami of negative, uh, really economic news, but also real estate news. When you, and most people get this, won't read past the headline and maybe the first two or three lines of an article on CNBC, for example, you can see what they're doing. They have the first, essentially what they want you Mm -hmm. to have is the takeaway from the article as bullet points before you actually read the article because they know most of you won't read the article. Julie and I, especially on the real estate ones, will read the article after we've read the bullet points and rarely do the bullet points. uh, They don't even match. They don't even match. So what's going on is the person that writes the article is not the person that comes up with a snazzy title, let alone the bullet points. It's all propagandized garbage information trying to just get you to click so be your own guru be your own best source of information and learn to be discerning who you trust especially about your career
1: that's right so again we're talking about increasing your presence online so that when people think about real estate in your town they think about you another example you can do a video explaining how you help your clients buy and sell at the same time without becoming homeless or owning two homes at once. Isn't that the gorilla in the room right now? I would list with you, but where in the world am I going to move to? By the way, we have podcasts about how to answer that, but it it would be a great video. It'd probably take you five or 10 minutes to talk about all the different options, you know, doing a lease back, um, you know, buying first and selling second, building it, first and <laughs> selling second—all of those things. But you do a video about it.
0: Just go and listen to our past podcasts. Like <laughs> yes. I said, I was thousands. wandering into it. I know you were. Sorry, I was trying to save you. Thank you.
1: Okay, so point number four, our last point today: Realtor social media posts should support. Your proactive real estate activities, such as highlighting your new listings, congratulating clients you've just helped, and showcasing communities that you specialize in. So for an example, you know we just did the door knocking series. If you're door knocking this weekend, create a post about where you're going and a little bit about the neighborhood. If you have a buyer or buyers, because we know you do, who are looking for something specific, especially your wayward buyers where you just can't find anything because the listing action is low go to those specific neighborhoods talk about on your video prior to going door knocking for them this shows how proactive you are for your clients and also you're probably going to find them something to buy remember that more than 87 percent of realtor choices are made based on who the prospect already knows or as the result of a referral from a trusted friend or advisor
0: okay let's give some color to this that is what julie just said has always been true it's true for hiring any service professional but where some of you are going to get lazy with what she just said is you're going to assume that your centers of influence and in past mm-hmm. clients 80% of this 87% of the time will just automatically use you here's the fallacy is that they also your center of influence and in past clients those names those addresses those emails those phone numbers of people that might, you know, have done business with you or might do business with you in the future, they're also, in other agents, centers of influence and in past clients. Yes, so yeah, and their
1: spouse also knows a realtor, right? Exactly. And they probably have somebody else who's a real estate agent they golf with, and the list goes on and on.
0: It does. And so this is the reason it comes back to skills. So if you want to know what's going to differentiate you in the marketplace now It's your skills. What does skills mean? Some of you don't even know because you said, well, I've done great in the past market. Why wouldn't I do great in this market? Probably you will do great in this market, but you're going to have to frankly sharpen the saw. You're going to have to know how to pre-qualify. You're gonna to have to make it so that, like in the past market, every buyer would eventually buy a house because the interest rates were so low and it's probably less than they're paying in rent. Not so true now. So you're gonna to have to be very selective on the buyers you work with and ask really tough questions and have high standards. And when you're talking with sellers, you're gonna to have to know how to pre-qualify them. You're gonna to have to, you know, go through all the questions we give you as part of premier coaching when you're pre-qualifying people. Every single one of you can do this. And here's the other thing that happens when you're following a proven uh, system, which is essentially what Premier Coaching is, you're going to feel a, a strange sense of immediate relief because you know you're going to be finally on the right path, and you can stop playing whack-a-mole with the <laughs> rando ideas that you find everywhere about how to, you know, essentially generate a real estate lead or do all these other things that people are essentially, you know, bombarding you with constantly. If your goal is to thrive because of this market, if your goal is to uh, make it so that, you know, the bad news isn't relevant to you, matter of fact, you don't even understand how this isn't a brilliant time to sell real estate, you wanna have that sense of confidence, that sense of optimism, it really does come down to skills. It truly, truly does, now more than ever. You guys do not, uh, if you're suffering, if you're experiencing hardship in your business, um, it's self-created, and I know that's hard to accept, but it's true. What you're experiencing now is a direct result of what you did or frankly didn't do last week, yesterday, six months ago, a year from now, or a year ago rather. So if you want your uh, future self to be thanking your present self, you're going to have to do what you don't want to do when you don't want to do it at the highest level every single day. You stop. You move away from that. You start essentially allowing yourself to go down different rabbit holes of just sort of, you know fanciful ideas that are going to lead you away from being of service to other people and making money you're going to uh, you know your future self is not going to appreciate the decision that you made not to stay the course and, and do the real work of real estate. That's really the bifurcation that's happening in the business right now. You can make this the best market ever for yourself. You can use this as a launching pad to have a career that lasts decades because there's so much need right now for people with skills and because frankly there's so few agents that have those skills.
1: That's right. Now, we did talk about coaching, but I'm not <laughs> sure we told them what to do about it.
0: Oh, no, probably not. <laughs> so they can scroll down in the notes of, from today's show, yep. aside from our answering questions at the top. Their mm-hmm. notes are down below in the show description of iTunes, Spotify, everywhere else. There's links to join Premier Coaching mm-hmm. down below. And also, if you guys want to talk with Julie and I about being on our uh, schedule uh, Julie talked me into taking on a handful of more clients and she's right because ultimately the coaching clients make the podcast better, which make the coaching uh, business better, uh, because we need to be staying on the front lines and the best way for us to know exactly what's going to be happening in the market next is going to be talking to some of the, you know, some of you and, and I'm interested in having some personal coaching clients. I've only got a handful now. So if you're interested in being coached by Julie or myself, Understand this is a top tier experience. This is you going to the top of the mountain and being coached by someone who's done it. Hundreds of thousands, Julie and I, between the two of us, and I know this sounds crazy, but it's true. We have had at least a hundred thousand coaching calls each. Those are paid coaching calls. And we've done that, you know, consistently for really the since what, 2002 forever. Yeah, yeah, forever at this point. <laughs> yeah. uh, so if you're looking to have, if you're looking to frankly skip the, the learning line, if you're looking for a way to lock yourself into something that's proven to work in every market, in every market condition, give me a text. It's 512-758-0206. Do know that we are highly selective who we want to work with. We're not going to work with very many people um and yeah so when you text me give me a little dossier on yourself a little you know background and then we'll pick the conversation up there in the meantime guys thanks for keeping this number one list to daily podcast for real estate professionals in at least the united states it's truly our pleasure and our honor to be partners with you in your real estate businesses if there's ever anything we can do for you it's we're very easy to get a hold of you can always um you know message me on instagram uh, i do check it personally we don't delegate that it's at tim and julie harris and If you want to text me, obviously, it's 512-758-0206. In the meantime, have a a fantastic day. We'll talk with you on the show tomorrow.
1: This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.